Hello, and welcome to Introducing Me. I'm your host, Sarah. I started this podcast to get to know other people and lifestyles while discovering more about myself. Each episode, I'll give a new guest a chance to discuss their background, culture, interests, or whatever they want to talk about to help increase all of our own worldviews. Today, I would like to introduce you to Tyler Dorsey. She is here to talk about her life with ADHD, working with people with ADHD, family members with ADHD, just a whole bunch of different things. I'm excited to hear about her experiences and advice that she can offer to people. So thank you so much for being here, Tyler. Why don't you go ahead, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited that I get to be here and share. I love what you're doing with this podcast, and I think it is so important um, to make sure that everyone can see everyone else's stories. And I think this gives opportunity to walk in other shoes. So I am an ADHD or turned ADHD life coach, and that all happened because my struggle with ADHD when I was younger was quite the struggle. Um, I was diagnosed when I was in the fifth grade. So I think I was somewhere around 10 or 11 when we wrapped up all the testing. And my entire schooling career was hard. It was difficult. It was lots of fights. My family were oftentimes refers to that time as World War Three. I mean, it was just wild. Um, it was a lot of unawareness around what ADHD was and how it was impacting me. A lot of people think that ADHD is just this inability to pay attention. And while I understand why people think that, it's not accurate. Um, that's actually only a very small part, despite the fact attention is the first word in the name, ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Um, but it's so much more. And I remember like reflecting back bird's eye view kind of of my experience when I was younger. It wasn't until I was like 18 years old. So what is that? Six, seven years later, maybe after my diagnosis that I first heard the definition of ADHD. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I mean, when I say World War Three, and when I say it was a struggle, I mean, like, every year was a question, is Tyler going to make it to the next grade level? Is she going to pass? Like we're talking like two days before school ends and we're asking this question. Um, even when I went in high school, I had like two or three percentage points below like a D. So I was in the F range and I just had to like throw up a Hail Mary and hope that my teacher was going to pass me so I could graduate. And I was banking on a final in a class that I was failing and it was stats class at that. So it was hard. <laughs> um, but I even remember like in first grade and kindergarten, like I remember playing different than the other kids. And I remember first grade is when you kind of first start having spelling tests and things like that. And I remember struggling on my spelling test in third grade, we learned multiplication tables and our teacher, God love her, she meant nothing bad by this, but she rewarded all the kids who got a B or an A or whatever the high grade was with ice cream every week. And I never got ice cream ever. So we're sitting in the church basement, all these kids are eating ice cream and I'm just like sitting there and it's obvious, like I'm different. Um, and so it was kind of from that point on that I started to hide it. And I think I hid it because I didn't understand it. Um, and I just felt stupid and 
my friends would make comments to me again, looking back now, I know they were unintentional, but they were still mean and hurtful. Um, and then I just kind of went through the process. Like I kind of went through the motions and when I got to college, going through the motions didn't work anymore. And I failed every single class my first semester of college, except for two. One of them was a lab and I got like a percentage point above an F in the D range. And the other one was like college 101 and it was pass fail. And the goal was to like get to know the school. Um, and that was when I kind of was at my rock bottom and I was at this fork in the road and I had two paths I could take. I could drop out of school and go get a job and do something else, or I could stay in school and graduate. And that was the moment I realized that my ADHD was not an academic thing. If I dropped out, it was not going to change my struggle. It was not going to make it easier. But instead, my ADHD was a life thing because the fact of the matter is, is when I lived at home, my parents created my structure for me. Um, but my room was always a mess. I was still always losing things. I would forget to turn assignments in. And then when I got to college and I was on my own, all of a sudden it became my dorm room was even more of a mess. I never had laundry. I didn't even make it to class. Like, and that's when I realized this has nothing to do with school. So I decided to stay in school and I decided that the thing that was hardest for me, I also have mild dyslexia. So school was not just hard for me because of my ADHD, but also I struggled a little bit with processing and reading. And so it was difficult, but I was like, you know, if I can master, and when I say master, I want to say that very loosely. I'm still not great at school, but for me, master school, I knew that I could master anything. So I did, I stuck it out. Um, I ended my first semester with below a one Oh, and I was determined to graduate in four years. So I played volleyball in college. I actually have my volleyball t-shirt on. I know you can see me and no one else can, but I have my college t-shirt on. Um, but I played volleyball in college. I worked a 40 hour a week job in college and I had to take 18 hours every single semester plus summer school. So I could graduate still in four years and I'll be damned if I didn't do it. Like I, I was going to make it happen and there were definitely struggles and it was definitely a roller coaster but it's where my biggest growth happened. And it was where I really became who or started to become who Tyler Dorsey is today. Um, and that was when I was like, you know, the resources out there for ADHD are great. And now looking, what am I eight years removed from college, nine years removed from college, looking back, there are so many more resources that have come about in the last couple of years. Um, but at that moment in time, when I was younger, there weren't a lot of resources. So that's why I was like, like you said, why you've created your podcast. I want to help people learn the definition of ADHD when they're first diagnosed, not six, seven years later when they've hit rock bottom. Yeah. That, I love hearing kind of how it wasn't very straightforward. It wasn't like I got this diagnosis. I learned exactly what it was and I knew what I needed to do. So how did you turn things around in college? What did you specifically do to succeed? That, um, imagine what are those things we used to make when we were like in school collages where you like ripped up magazines and you just like added a lot of things together to make a pretty picture. That's what I did. I like, I changed my major from chemistry to psychology 
which was almost a blessing in disguise because actually it was in psychology class that I first heard the definition. Um, and then my friends around me that were in my same major loved it because they got to practice their future psychology selves on me. So I really let them do that. And I let them help me understand myself and like, they helped to bring awareness around what my struggles were and why I was having those struggles. Um, so I really leaned in on that. Honestly, though, the biggest thing I changed was my, were my thoughts around my ADHD and who I Tyler Dorsey was. I've had people tell me they don't like it when I say this, but it is true to me. ADHD is who I am, but not in a bad way. Like now that I've learned what my ADHD is, I am beyond proud because I had to work my butt off to get to where I am today. And because I had to fail and get back up so many times, I'm not afraid to do that anymore. And that's one of the reasons I say ADHD is a superpower. But to get to that place, I had to be confident in who I was and my ADHD being a part of that. I think not just when we're younger, but even like adults, we, we compare ourselves to others so often, especially with social media, like social media is a blessing and a curse at the same time. And we see all these people and like, Oh, we should look like that. This person's doing this. So I should be doing that. And I was constantly doing that in school. I was constantly doing that with my peers. I never wanted to say I had ADHD because I didn't want to be different. When the reality is, is every single person on this planet is different. <laughs> like if we were clones, we'd be a planet full of robots. Like we are all different and we all have our own stories, like you said. So it was, I had to shift my mindset from being afraid of what other people thought to learning how other people think and learning that first off, everyone has that fear, regardless of what you're going through. And second, it's, the smartest kids in my class who I thought like didn't even have to study to get A's when I started studying with them, I realized that they struggle too. Maybe not in the same way I do, but I think what a pivoting point was for me was when this one girl who was in my class asked me a question because she didn't understand it. And I used some random volleyball metaphor to like explain it to her and she got it. And I was like, Whoa, like, I can explain things to even the smartest people in class. Cause the reality is, is there's not someone smarter than the other. We're just all smart in different ways. So I really had to like learn that. And I really had to come to that mature way of thinking, honestly, and realize the world's not really around Tyler. I, the world doesn't really care about Tyler. Like no one, no one's sitting here saying, Oh, Tyler's ADHD. And the people who are have their own mm -hmm. issues. That's why they're doing that. Um, and once I kind of got my thoughts changed around that, everything started changing for me. That's that's totally understandable. Now, obviously you said ADHD isn't just an attention issue. So what other sort of things do you struggle with? So it's different for every person. So just to kind of give a background for those who do not understand the world of ADHD, when you're diagnosed now, you're diagnosed with ADHD and attentive type or ADHD hyperactive impulsive type or combined type, which means you have all three. Now, I understand why they have three different diagnoses of ADHD. I don't necessarily agree. I think they have in my mind, and I'm not, I did not write the medical dictionary, the DSM-5, and I am not 
a therapist. I'm an ADHD life coach with my own opinions about this, but in my mind and in working with the people I've worked with, every person struggles with ADHD in very similar ways. It's just more extreme for some other rather than others, which is why you have those different diagnoses. Um, but what it is, is it is attention, but it's also not inattention, but hyper-focus. We can hyper-focus better than anyone else on this planet. Like I can guarantee you some of the richest people in this world and the most successful people in this world are that way because they have ADHD and can hyper-focus. That said, we only hyper-focus on the things we're super interested in. So we have a hard time with motivation. If we're not interested in something like school, school is hard for me. And I really was not interested in math class. I didn't care about my times tables. I didn't like, I wasn't interested in that. So I couldn't, the average person can just like focus and get it done. I couldn't do that. Not only because I struggled with attention, but also because I struggled with time management. I struggled with organization. I struggled with planning, prioritizing, remembering. I was very, I am very forgetful. I mean, all the executive functions, that's what I just kind of listed were some of executive functions. I struggled with all of those. So when you put all of those into a pot and you say, okay, you got to do this and you got to do school well, but then you're not interested in school and you don't have those basic skills built up to just do it naturally and go into autopilot, you don't do it. And when you fail enough trying to do it, you, you actually give up. And that's where there's this misconception that ADHD people are just lazy and they don't want to. And that's not true, but we do get to that place because we failed so many times and we don't know how to, not that we don't want to, it's that we don't know how to. And the how was the part I really struggled with overcoming and why I let all those psychology majors practice on me was because I needed help understanding the how that's the part I could be, I could work on my self-awareness. I could work on my thoughts. I could work on all that. I needed someone to help me figure out how do I manage my time? How do I pay attention in class? How do I prioritize? How do I stay organized? Now I'm a pretty organized person. I've got a big business that I love and I feel like I run it well. If you walked into my house today, you would see laundry everywhere. Like to this day, keeping up. And I don't think that's an ADHD thing. I hear everyone tell me that. But to this day, I cannot keep up with my house right now. And so like it still sneaks in in different ways. It's just now I'm more aware and I know how to buckle down and get the things done that I'm uninterested in. Like laundry. Laundry is the bane of everyone's existence. Uh, Laundry, yeah. People who come, I saw somewhere that like, I think it was someone I follow on Instagram and she like has someone come to her house and pick up her laundry, take it, wash it, fold it and drop it back off at her doorstep. I'm like, that's what I need. That is exactly what I need in my life. I need to be, make enough money to pay for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you like to hyper-focus on? My work, honestly. And I think for a couple of reasons, number one, I'm really, really passionate about my, what I do about ADHD, about helping others. But also part of my work is fun. Like I get to create fun pictures and I get to put together fun things and I get to paint pretty pictures and every now and then I get to like redo my office. And so like, it's not always just creating content or managing my employees. I love all that. And I definitely hyper-focus on that, but sometimes it's as easy as like me creating my next post and I like am excited about what I can put together with it. Um, and when I say next post, I don't even mean like a picture of me. I mean like a graphic of something. Um, when I'm at home, I, 
hyper focus on like random things. If I'm in a cleaning mood, there have been times my husband comes home and he's like, what happened? Like the whole house got cleaned and reorganized. Or if I'm playing with my kids, one of them's, I have a 18 month old and a five month old. So the five month old doesn't even know. He just like sits there and whines and cries and rolls over every now and then. But the 18 month old is fun to play with. So her and I can get like, I can get my, it's driving my husband nuts because it's getting me back into my like childhood. And he's like, you are 29 years old. You need to stop this. But like I can hyper focus in like whatever game her and I are playing in. And like I get in that world with her. Like if I'm interested, which I am because it's my baby girl, I can get in that world with her. Even something as simple as a TV show. Another thing my husband's ready to just like strangle me over is if you've seen Trolls, like the movie Trolls, they have like a TV show on Netflix called Trolls. And I watch it when my child is asleep. Like I'm obsessed with it. And he's like, what are you doing? So like if I'm really caught up in a TV series and this happens to anyone, I know a lot of people who binge watch. There's a reason that's a common word used, but like Marvel movies, I watched every single Marvel movie in a week and like, there are like 27 movies and they're like at least two hours long. (laughs) So it just depends on where my interest is. But the problem is, is I watched every single one of those Marvel movies in a week And it took me a lot to get my mind out of that and into what I needed to be doing. I almost had to either wear myself out and be sick of watching it or had to finish it for me to transition mentally back into reality or into what I need to be doing next. And the same thing goes, mental transitions is something we struggle with. Everyone struggles with transitions. Everyone struggles in some level, I'm sure with mental transitions, but Mentally transitioning from one task to another is hard. So a lot of people could probably relate to my like binge watching and transitioning out of that mode and into another mode. Like mentally, it's hard to get yourself switched. The same goes though when I come back from work. It's not because I've been working all day that I'm exhausted. It's because I get myself in this hyper focus phase when I'm doing certain tasks at work. And when I get home, Just like binge watching a TV show, I want to continue doing that because I'm in a hyper-focused phase until there's a clear stop and I'm done. Um, When I played volleyball, volleyball was one of the things I could hyper-focus on. I even remember coming home from practice every now and then and I wanted to keep playing because I like wasn't done yet and I could not mentally transition myself from that activity to eating dinner or whatever we were doing. So what sort of things did your parents do to help you succeed at home? They tried a lot. So I'm a 90s baby. And in the 90s is when they really started to um, diagnose ADHD a little more often. Um, 80s is when I believe like technically they started diagnosing. I know they did it younger, but I think that's when it really started to gear up. Um, so for that reason, there was not a lot of research and resources and support out there. So my parents tried to get me tutoring. They, I don't remember if I went, I remember going to like therapists and doctors. I can't exactly remember what I went for, but they tried to do that. They would try to get people I looked up to, to like have conversations with me I mean, because whatever they said, I was like, shut up. You don't know anything. You're my mom or you're my dad. Like it was, they may as well, like I would bite off their head if they tried to help me basically. Um, But one of the things that did happen, I mentioned World War III and we got in a lot of blow up fights. And one of the things that really helped 
was my mom and I are two peas in a pod. And so when we fought, we fought like a big time. And I remember I'd always get frustrated because on my side of things, I was like, mom, I don't understand why you're mad. I don't know what I did. She's like, what do you mean? You don't know what you did, Tyler. And she'd get even more mad. But then when I got sent to my room because I was grounded and I had to go up there for the rest of the night, my dad every now and then would come up and he would be like, all right, talk to me about what's going on. Like, you're in trouble. I'm not getting you out of that. You're grounded. You said stuff you shouldn't have said, but like, talk to me. And he would really come from a place of wanting to just listen and not judge and not tell me if I was right or wrong with my thoughts. And that was honestly the biggest help. And there were times, I remember certain times when he'd come up and be like, I'm not even talking to you right now. Like you messed up big time. You are a little shit. I'm not doing this. And I deserved it. But like when there were times when he could truly see me struggling and he could truly see that my side of that fight was more than just me trying to be a little brat and was me like really not knowing how to verbalize where I was coming from, where I was struggling, what was really going on. Then I felt like I wasn't always being attacked. Then I felt like I could go to my dad after a fight and try and talk to him. Um, and I could be honest with him about it, knowing I'm not, I'm not getting out of trouble by talking to him, but he's hearing me, he's listening. So, I mean, if I could fast forward, if I was my family now, I think one of the biggest things would have been for us to better understand what ADHD was. Um, my mom, 1000% has ADHD as undiagnosed, but she's was extremely smart and like school was never a problem for her, but like I look at her now and I hope she's not listening, but like, she's a hot mess sometimes. And like, she can be just as disorganized, but she has her systems and like, it works for her. It just doesn't work when you pull someone else in. My dad had, has dyslexia. And I know that he struggled a little bit the way I did, um, just with some of the time management and stuff. So I think they both kind of understood it, but they didn't know what words to put with it. And I think that's where, when I first heard the definition of ADHD, being able to put those words with that made it so much more clear to me. So one of the things reflecting back, I really wish we would have done, and I can't even just say it, put it on my parents, like Google wasn't as big of a thing as it is now. I remember like the first time I heard Google, we were doing a project and someone was like, all right, we're going to do Google. And I got home and I said, Hey mom, there's this new site and it's got a bunch of G's and O's in it. Like, I don't know what it is, but like, I think we should check it out. Like it wasn't as accessible to us as it is now. So always coming from a place, even if your kid is in trouble or if you're mad at your spouse, there's times my husband gets really mad at me, but he'll come back and he'll like have the conversation with me and be like, give, give me insight into where you're coming from. Um, and then just like understanding and awareness. That was one of those pieces that would have been crucial and would have been a game changer for me when I was younger. And are you an only child? No, I'm the oldest of four. Yeah. So did any of your siblings also struggle? Yeah. So my youngest brother is in a lot of trouble. He is 21 and he forgot to show up somewhere multiple times and he's in a lot of trouble right now. He is not diagnosed, but I had a conversation with my mom and I was like, I really think you need to start seeking out like, cause he was, he made it through high school. He's super, super smart. Was in AP classes. That part was not a struggle. Um, now it is shit's hitting the fan. And 
I, he's getting overwhelmed. I mean, he's just becoming an adult. And as those responsibilities are getting more and more and the structure that is provided to you by parents is getting less and less, you're just seeing the wheels kind of fall off. Um, so that's one I, we all feel super confident. He does. He's the youngest, my in-between siblings. I have a sister who's younger, like it goes me, my sister, and then my brother will, and then my brother Ben. So my sister and my brother will, they do not. Um, at all. Like uh, there's not even like, there. we are very opposites in that front. And there are a lot of times I know they did not understand me, but growing up, I was a terror. So another part of ADHD is emotional regulation. Like we really, really struggle to regulate our emotions and my struggle to verbalize my struggles at the time mixed with my inability to regulate my emotions caused for me to be a very volatile and angry child. And that took a huge toll on my relationship with every single person in my family, but especially my siblings. So actually my youngest brother and I are pro- probably have always been the closest just because he's eight years younger than me. And that's enough for like when we were younger, he didn't really know what was going on. I didn't quite pick on him as much, but my brother will, I always picked on. He was the weak link. He was the emotional one. I could get the reaction I was looking for out of him. And I honestly, this sounds so bad, but being the immature young person I was, I was able to get the reaction out of him that I was wanting to give myself. So it was like, I would get him to a point to make him feel the way I was feeling. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm not alone anymore. Like, this is good. But that caused a lot of problems. And there were, and because then it would cause my sister to go to bat for him and they would all be against me. And I mean, he wanted nothing to do with me for a very long time. And then I moved back from college. And when I moved back, I moved home for a year. And he was a senior in high school. I had a job at the high school he was a senior at. And then my youngest brother was a freshman in the same high school. And that was when we really started building our relationship. But it was hard because there would be times that he would trigger me and I would maybe swing back into my old ways or times that. I would trigger him and I wasn't really intentionally doing anything, but maybe it was like some way I looked or something I said or how I said it. And it gave him that flashback. And then like, I mean, it was hard to build it to a point to where we had trust and I had a relationship. And I think if I would not have tried to make the turn I made in college to control my anger and control my impulses, I, I really think my family would be the kind of family I'd see like at holidays. And that was all they would want to do with me. Um, and that was probably the, honestly the hardest part about coming, overcoming my ADHD was overcoming that anger, overcoming that struggle to regulate my emotions. I mean, there were times when I moved off to college. So I went to college an hour away from where my family lived. And when I went to college, I never came back. Like I, I came back for like holidays and stuff, but like I moved up there and I stayed up there year round until my senior year. So when I did come back, there were big fights. And I remember the first time I realized I was instigating the fight to continue, not necessarily starting the actual fight, but like I was the reason it was continuing. I stopped and I actually put my hands over my ears and I crawled, crawled up in a ball on the floor. And I was like, saying like, stop, stop, stop. And I was trying to get my parents to stop yelling at me because I then, that was the first time I recognized in the moment 
that it was me. And my parents were like, kept yelling because they'd never seen me do that before. They're like, what is happening? Like, and it was me trying to like acknowledge what was happening. And so they kept yelling and kept yelling. And then that was, I think one of those moments, my mom and I were two peas in a pod. So we kept fighting, but my dad came back and I tried to tell him, I was like, dad, I recognized it was me. I was actually trying to stop this time. So then the next time it happened, he had had the conversation with my mom and I had the conversation with my mom too. But the next time it happened, I think I did. I think I just walked away instead of like sitting there and trying to say, stop. I think I literally walked away. And I remember my mom saying, what are you doing? Walking away, get back in here. Do not walk away from this conversation. And I left, like, I think I went up to my room or I went outside. And again, that was my way of acknowledging it, but I knew I could not verbalize anything because I would keep yelling. And I just slowly backed myself up to the point that I could then say, okay, I can't talk about this anymore. This is making me really mad. Let's pause and we'll try and talk about it later. And if we picked it up later, then I would say I could have the conversation or if it was making me mad again, I'd say, I can't have this conversation. Like this is going to have to be tabled till it happens next time because I'm aware of it, but I'm not in a place right now to where I can control myself. And it just got to a point where eventually now, like it's for all intents and purposes, not an issue. And it hasn't been for a really long time. Now there are times specifically with my mom that she'll like say something to me and I will smart off to her to this day. And she'll like fire back with like whatever she would normally fire back. And I'm like, yeah, mom, I said that on purpose because you're making me mad. But anyway, and so like now I can be like, okay, no, I have this attitude, but like my family was my safe space. I never acted like this at school. As a matter of fact, in parent teacher conferences, the teachers were always like, Tyler's an angel. We loved Tyler. My parents were like, what? What are you talking about? But it was just like, I'd get home and I let everything out on my family because I knew my family loved me and they were always there and they were my safety net. And one of my favorite things, I don't, I am in no way, shape or form that volatile or that angry now. But when I get home, I still have that version of decompressing and like, it's more my attitude now. And my husband can tell when something's like weighing heavy on me and I can't verbalize it. And he'll say, he said it to me the other day and it was like, that alone helped me. He said, Tyler, I'm your safety net. Like you come home. Like I meant to help you like figure this out. And like him just saying that I was like, okay, I'm good now. Like that's all I needed to hear. Um, so it is, I mean, it's, it's hard. And what do you need from your husband? And I mean, your children are very young, so they can't really. Uh, they're so young, they don't understand anything. <laughs> One of them's learning, learning to say ice, and it sounds like she's saying ass. And I'm like, Jesus, what are we going to do? She's going to ask everyone for ass right now. <laughs> oh, gosh. So inappropriate, Ava mm-hmm. James. Yeah. So, so, but, so what can your husband do to help you as, as your life partner? So. I'm going to go back to the understanding of ADHD. He actually is a great example of how ADHD presents differently. He, I was convinced he had ADHD. And so I actually made him go get tested two years ago. Um, and he came up actually with generalized anxiety and subclinical ADHD. Now I've seen him when he's not anxious at all. And I know that that ADHD is not subclinical. Like he forgets literally everything, whether he's anxious or not. So I know that there's more to it. However, he does not struggle with the motivation component the way I do. When he's uninterested in something, he still has the tools to get it done. His struggle is the paying attention to detail and remembering when I tell him he needs to pick up 
milk from the grocery store on his way home. Things like that. So for that reason, mine is so much more extreme and he really doesn't understand it. He's like, I don't understand how you can just not get the laundry done. Like I clean the kitchen every night. How can you not do the laundry? Um, like twice a week, whatever it is. So him understanding and spending time to like educate himself on ADHD is always helpful because now, and like, ask me, he used to tell me to calm down and make me so mad. You can see it on my face right now. I'm sure. Like he literally like, tell just calm down. And I'm like, tell me to calm down one more time and see what happens. And it wasn't because I, it wasn't because he was actually telling me to calm down. Like I was yelling and screaming or anything. He would tell it to me when I was emotional. He would tell it to me when I was hyper. He would tell, it didn't matter if I was not in level, he would say, calm down. And it was, it was his way of not understanding why I was acting the way I was acting. Again, I could be really hyper. I could be hyper-focused on something. I could be a hot mess and forgetting everything. It didn't, he used calm down for everything. So it took like probably two years into our marriage for him to really understand like why that was a trigger. And it took that long because it took that long for me to be able to accurately verbalize that to him and like help him understand that was a trigger because every time I've heard calm down, I've been angry and yelling and kicking and screaming and that you're telling me to calm down and I'm not acting like that. And so like that has been kind of hard or it was kind of hard. It's not really hard anymore. Um, but the other thing is, like I said, the other day I came home and I was stressed and I was overwhelmed. And when I get that way, a lot of my ADHD tendencies sneak back in. I tend to get forgetful. I tend to become more of a mess. And he could see all of that when I was trying to cook dinner. And he literally just looked at me. He was like, Tyler, where's your safety net? Like, don't, you don't need to have your shit together right now. Like, you're good. You're home. And so just like, that's all I needed. I just needed that like reassurance. Like I'm home. I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't need to be on, so to speak right now. Now, does ADHD ever cause problems with having kids? In what way? I don't really know. Um, I guess just like when you're interacting with your kids and how you, like, if you're having a moment, um, where you're really anxious or something, how are you able to. So that's a great question. And I'm, I can imagine this is different for every single person who has ADHD and kids. One of the things I've noticed though, is actually my kids calm me down. Even when they're like my daughter. I was having like a moment one time when I was like deep into this, like if I didn't have kids, I probably would have been screaming and yelling because I could not manage the thoughts in my head. And I was super overwhelmed and I didn't know what to do with all of it. And she was screaming and yelling at me, which was part of my overwhelm. And instead of like reacting in any way, I literally just picked her up and I just like held her and it just like calmed me. Like she was like, I had to like force her to stay in my arms. Like (laughs) I was like, please don't leave. But like it calmed me. And then eventually, honestly, it was funny. I think I took a picture of it because I was one of those weird people, but like she immediately calmed down and gave me the first hug she's ever given me intentionally. And I started sobbing because I was like, this is exactly what I needed. And she didn't even know it. So while I'm sure when they can talk and talk back, that's going to be a different answer. At this moment in time, I would say I have two under two two babies 13 months apart. So it's pretty wild in my house. So I could easily get overwhelmed and feel revert honestly back all the way to my n- normal 18-year-old Tyler ADHD and tendencies. 
but I look at them and they're just this sense of calm for me. And while I know one day they're going to be the reason I'm screaming and yelling for reasons other than them screaming and yelling, I also hope that one of the things that I wish looking back that I do now with my parents, but like, I wish I would have done then is just like, kind of take that break. Like everyone's mad at each other. Everyone's yelling, but let's have that bubble for a second where like, it doesn't matter. Maybe it's a movie night. Maybe we go get ice cream, but like, I hope in some fashion I can always create this safe space where even the people who are most mad at them, the parents, because they're not getting their homework done or they're talking back, we can like just take a step back and pause for an hour and forget about all that and then come back into it. Because I think the ability to pause and have that minute where like all emotions are taken out really, really helps me to regroup. And I think that's why when my daughter was screaming her head off and I was about to lose it. And instead I just wrapped her in my arms and gave her a big hug. And it was like, I really think it was like three weeks after I had my son. And so like, she is freshly one years old. I'm overwhelmed. The house is a mess. And I just like, I I had that moment. It was like not even five minutes, but it was enough for me to get my reset. And for me to be like, you know what? I'm going to be fine. Like I'm overwhelmed as shit right now, but like, I'm going to be okay. I'll figure it out. Yeah. That's great that it was a sense of calm and that came from a screaming Mm -hmm. kid. You know, you don't hear Mm -hmm. that very often. No, you don't. But honestly, I kind of go back to, I was forcing my brother to have the emotions I was having when I was younger by being mean to him and bullying him. And I did not, was not mean to my child or bullying my child. But in that moment, I think we both felt the same way, obviously for very different reasons, but she had her reason. She was screaming. I was internally screaming. So I was like, girl, let's just do this together. And then I gave her a hug. So, I mean, I think that's kind of why that was created was because whether it was because I took her cup of apple juice away or whatever it was that made her scream, I knew that we were in the same headspace, just on different levels. Mm -hmm. Now, going a little bit technical, how does one get diagnosed with ADHD? Okay, so I'm going to answer this the best I can. I know I'm still learning, and I say that because as ADHD is evolving, it's changing. So technically, to be diagnosed with ADHD, your doctor just has to say you have ADHD, and then you're diagnosed and you can get medicine. I'm going to switch gears to a kid real fast because I'm still the adult. I'm, I specialize in children with ADHD. So I'm still learning in the adult realm, especially since I was diagnosed as a kid. My husband was diagnosed as an adult and they just did all kinds of testing. They asked for his history. Um, they did some working memory things just to rule out like learning disabilities and stuff. But as a kid, there's a couple of different ways you can be tested. But the one that I most commonly saw when I worked at the school system And that I most commonly see now is a group of tests that where they're giving the teacher, so you usually go to like a psychologist or psychiatrist or social worker or anyone who can do that testing and your, your general, um, family practitioner can help you find that person. Um, but they did like, they sent questionnaires to three teachers to fill out. And then each parent had to fill out questionnaires. And then the kid had to fill out questionnaires. And then there was an additional workup of testing that they do again to check 
anxiety, depression, learning disabilities, all the other things that could be going on because they are very comorbid with ADHD. And they kind of take all that info together and then they make the diagnosis from there. I haven't done recent research on this, but I know that they've said for adults, they're looking for a history of these struggles to diagnose in that manner. And they're usually looking that they can check off multiple of those boxes when it comes to the struggles you're struggling. And it's not just that you're inattentive or you're struggling with time management. Like you have to be struggling with multiple things for you to be diagnosed with ADHD. And I say, I don't know, because I feel like it is just so rapidly changing. And honestly, my opinion is I don't really care if you're diagnosed. Um, a lot of people don't care for a kid. The reason it's important is because it gives you accommodations in school and, um, accommodations on the ACT and accommodations in college. I know you can get accommodations as adults in the work world. However, what's more important to me is not the accommodations, but rather like, let's build up these skills and let's figure this out. So like I work with people who aren't diagnosed and if I could diagnose, I probably would diagnose them, but it doesn't really matter if they have diagnosis or not because their struggles are real. I understand their struggles. So I'm going to help them with those struggles. So I think that's part of why, like I'm, I'm still educating myself and learning about the diagnosis is because in my line of work, I don't really care if you're diagnosed or not. If your struggle relates to me and I have been through that, or I am familiar with how to help you through that, then I'm going to help you through that. And what is it that you do as an ADHD life coach? Put it very simply, I'm your partner in crime to help you figure out how to um, navigate the world of ADHD. So one of my favorite ways to describe it is you are always going to be on the hot mess express. Imagine it's a roller coaster and you're always going to be riding it. You it doesn't matter how organized you are. It doesn't matter how well you manage your ADHD. You will always be on that train. And when we're in the thick of it and we're living in the most chaos ever, we're frantic riders. Imagine like the scariest roller coaster you've ever been on and you have no idea what's coming next. And it's like completely dark inside. I think that would be space mountain at Disney world in Florida. <laughs> I believe that's the ride I'm thinking of. Um, that is what we're doing. We don't know when it's going to stop. We don't know what the ride's going to look like. We don't know how long the stops are going to last. We have no control over it. You want to be the person like in charge of it. You want to be the person who can manage all of that, determine the speed, all that fun stuff. So my job is not to smooth the roller coaster out for you, but to ride it with you and to help you learn to navigate it and to anticipate what's coming up and how to, um, steer yourself back down the right path for you. And I don't mean the right path because you know this, you tell people stories and I love it. And so you know that every person has a different path. So I want to help you get back towards your path to reach your goal. But anyone who is struggling with anything, when it's right in front of you and when you're living it day to day, it's really hard to take a step back and see that bird's eye view and figure out how to navigate everything. My job is to help you navigate while you're, while you're, driving the train and to help you figure out how to get your goals and how to manage your ADHD. And I do that through building your self-awareness through helping you build up your toolbox, as I like to call it, and then figuring out how to overcome like your obstacles. And when you get stuck, you're going to get stuck. You're going to have setbacks, helping you figure out how to overcome that instead of letting it stop you in your tracks and like not move forward. That's really great. Now, before I start to wrap things up, is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners? 
No, I think my final piece I would say is if you are a person listening to this with ADHD, I want you to really think about how ADHD is your superpower. And if you don't believe that right now, find a way to believe it because I would not be where I'm at today and as accomplished feeling as I am today without having ADHD. The second is for those listening who do not have ADHD, I can 1000% guarantee you, you know, someone with ADHD, even if you don't know that they have it yet. And I want you next time you're like, God, that person's a mess or that person can't keep this together or whatever. I want you to take a step back and like, really think about the fact that like they have more going on than just getting from point A to point B with a straight line. It takes a lot more effort and a lot of trial and error for us to get to the same place that you are trying to get to. That's some really great advice. Now with all of my guests at the end, I ask a random question that doesn't have to do with anything we've talked about. I love it. So my question for you, um, since you did mention that you used to play volleyball is what sort of sports do you enjoy, whether to watch, attend games, still play? What is the sports life of Tyler Dorsey? Yeah. So obviously I played volleyball. I played all the way through college. Um, and I loved it. I have not picked up a volleyball since I graduated and I, honestly don't miss it. (laughs) I kind of got burned out on volleyball. Volleyball was, um, my like safe place and my go-to and the one thing I was good at. So I threw a lot of effort in that and then I burned myself out. Now I actually, my family is a tennis family. And when I graduated from college, I kind of got into tennis. I love playing tennis. I love watching tennis. Besides that, I'm really not a sports person. Um, I don't understand football. I kind of understand basketball. I know a ball has to go to an inline and one of them has to go in a hoop and in soccer, it goes in a goal, but I don't understand all the rules. I just know when the ball gets where it needs to go, you get a point. Um, but when family is playing one of those sports, I still love to cheer them on because if everyone's like cheering their name and they're doing something good, <laughs> but I cannot wrap my head around. I like, I think it's not that I can't wrap my head around some of these sports. I just like don't care enough to do it. I'm that person. I will go tailgating. I'll go to the football games, but I'm there for the food and the people. I'm not there to watch the game. (laughs) All right. That brings this episode to a close. I will be leaving Tyler's website in the description. So if you'd like to connect with her and see the great resources and things that she is doing, her website is focusforwardlex.com and that will be a clickable link in the description. Of course, in the description, as always, is the podcast website. So that will take you to all of our episodes, our social media, and our Patreon page for monetary support. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, you can always email me. I'd love to hear new stories. So thank you, Tyler, so much for spending time with me today and to my listeners for taking the time out of your day to hear a new story. Until next week. Bye. Thank you, Sarah. See you guys.